Hare Krishna. Welcome back to this informal discussion. It's about notes and uh, yes, these notes are coming from various sources and various topics. And today I chose the topic uh, saintly persons because uh, I just came to, uh, I'm reading the notes in a sequence really, but that looks like uh, the best way to uh, capture a few of these uh, entries that have been made. Um, from Srimad Bhagavatam, first canto, 11th chapter, text 35, the purport. The women who became the wives of the Lord are certainly not ordinary women because they get the Lord as one's husband. Because to get the Lord as one's husband is the result of many, many millions of births, tapasya, austerity. So yes, you know, um, saintliness is not just <clears throat> a mental adjustment. Um, Generally speaking, saintliness is the result of, of many, many lifetimes in devotional service, many, many lifetimes in austerity in relation to Krishna. So not just mundane austerity, but austerity in devotional service. Um, Jen, uh, and simply, if we... Uh, it says one who has dedicated himself to Krishna for 100 lifetimes can be, can be fixed, right? can be fixed, can be unwavering and can chant all the time. So yeah, where are we now? Which lifetime is this? Uh, if our minds are still wavering, maybe we are still not counting amongst those great exalted devotees. Anyway, whatever it may be, we are, uh, mercy makes up for that austerity. And it's by mercy that we are very quickly uplifted and, uh, and that we can become very quickly exalted. Now, this is the age of mercy. Uh, there's Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's mercy. There is the mercy of, of the devotees. So in this way, it, uh, it can all be done. It is all possible. Uh, anyhow, no devotee is an ordinary person because just as we could look at the queens of Krishna or we can look at the cowherd boys and ask that question, Krita Punja Punja, what austerities have they performed to become uh, such personalities? Well, that uh, we cannot know. Uh, and therefore, when we look at any devotee, we can also not know. We don't know who we're dealing with, who is who, right? And sometimes I'm thinking like that. I'm thinking about the, the devotees that are in the room. Actually, right now there are three of them. And who are they? Who were they? Who were they in their last life? I don't know. Huh? How, can we, uh, how can we know? But when we think like that, we might just treat people with a little bit more, uh, a little bit more respect, because we just start to see, like, you know, what did they do before for Krishna? Who were they? You know, like I have in the room today with us, we have here. Uh, 
Gormohan from Simachalam, Germany. We have Bhakti and his well, his good wife also is here, uh, Kalindi Nivasini. And we have uh, Vasilin huh, from Bulgaria. Well, I'm back now. <laughs> and they're here. And who were they in their last life? Uh, it's hard to say. Um, you know, sometimes astrologers tell us things, but what can we believe of these things? Because whenever I hear how someone went to an astrology in a last life, they were always some prince or, you know, or some aristocratic person or a sannyasi who just didn't make it and then they had to come back for one more life. It was never like some ordinary person or, or even a criminal, you know, who got mercy. Whereas when we read the history of the, uh, of the Vaishnavas, then we see that, uh, you know, Valmiki was a criminal and, and so on, right? Who, uh, who somehow or other uh, met Narada Muni, right? Magrari the hunter, who half killed animals somehow or other. Met Narada Muni, and by the association of a Vaishnava, they changed. So, who were we? I don't know. I don't know. But certainly, um, Rupa Goswami does say that generally spiritual life is a continuation from previous life. And therefore, we can look at the Vaishnavas and see another life in devotional service behind them. And it's sort of, well, it helps to see beyond what they are now, right? Because sometimes you just get too familiar with someone and you know everything about them and you know, oh God, you know, here is so and so. And yeah, I know so and so too well, right? And But maybe we don't, because maybe behind there is a whole different personality. So I find it interesting to think like that and it helps me. To, uh, to rise above this uh, taking people for granted. Uh, because this is how relationships go. You take people for granted. And the tendency is to put everything in a box, right? And, you know, and that's what we do. We just look at things we don't know and then we try to place it somewhere in, in a box. So say, what category does this belong? So because then we feel secure, then we know how to deal with it, you know? Oh, well, okay, this is the adventurous type. <clears throat> okay, put him in the adventure. Uh, this is the, uh, you know, the regulated type. Okay, put in the regulated box. And like that, you know, everyone everyone in a box, and then we can sort of say, well, okay, someone spoke, yeah, adventurous type. So, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And then, see, yeah, typical, typical for the adventurous, yeah. You know, we find confirmation after confirmation. And in the end, it starts to define the person. And even, you know, and then, and then we just uh, reduce that person in that way. Uh, and this way, we, we just turn people into stereotypes. But we can, who are they? Who was a Goswami in Vrindavan? Who was a Pujari in Jagannath Puri? Who was, you know, who built a temple? A temple somewhere in India, um, uh, but uh, Vesselin, uh, for a few more hours, uh, 
is uh, is an architect, right? So was he in was he a stopity building temples for Lord Narayan in South India? Who was he? Huh? Komahan is somehow or other uh, grew up in this Nishringa temple, a life with, with Lord Nishringadev, and a very big Nishringa deity in his whole life with that deity of Lord Nishringadev. What was he in a last life, if you think about that? What did he have with Lord Nishringadev? Obviously, there was something. Uh, it's not just that it all suddenly... Uh, you know, that he just fell in love with Lord Nishringadev yesterday. Something was there. Um, and even Kalini Nivasani must have something with Nishringadev, right? To be there with Nishringadev. There must be a reason, right? There are reasons why things happen, you know? Uh, so in this way, it is is interesting. And, and therefore, devotees are never ordinary. And therefore, devotees are always to be looked as special personalities. Well, that was the first point I, I wanted to make. And uh, I'll just go on and, and read a bit more. Um, the scriptures enjoin, therefore, that one should associate with sadhus only, rejecting all other kinds of association, and by doing so, one will have ample opportunity to hear the sadhus. Who can cut to pieces the bonds of illusory affection in the material world? It is a fact that the material world is a great illusion because everything appears to be a tangible reality, but that the next moment evaporates like the dashing foam of the sea or a cloud in the sky. A cloud in the sky undoubtedly appears to be a reality because it rains. And due to rain, so many temporary green things appear. But in the ultimate issue, everything disappears, namely the cloud, rain, and green vegetation all in due course. But the sky remains, and the varieties of sky or luminaries always remain forever. Similarly, the absolute truth which is compared to the sky remains eternally, and a temporary cloud, like illusion, comes and goes away. Foolish living beings are attracted by the temporary cloud, but intelligent men are concerned with the eternal sky, with all its variegatedness. Yeah, so this is also very, uh, very nice. And, and Prabhupada, um, coming from India, which has a, a monsoon climate, is, uh, is, is taking the cloud metaphor in the context of the monsoon, because in India, the monsoon starts uh, starts raining down and then it's amazing suddenly everything is green uh, vindavan which can be so dry you know quite sandy right and then suddenly that sandy vindavan uh, just after a few rains there's plants everywhere and just amazed and there's even puddles and sometimes there are even little fish swimming in these puddles and you're looking at the puddle and you go like but this puddle is not going to be there much longer oh little fish what are you doing here how did you appear in this little puddle? And how long is your life in this little puddle? And yes, and then, you know, you're just thinking of this, this fish. Uh, and like, 
in Durban, we have around our temple, we have a moat. A moat is like uh, a filled with water. So it's basically around uh, around canal. It's a moat, like castles in the medieval times used to have a moat around it. So there's a moat <clears throat> around the temple and a bridge and everything. And, uh, <clears throat> and in the moat, there are all these fish. And like uh, the big ones, these these Japanese ones, you know, the little hairs on the front, and it's like uh, you know, and uh, and the different colors. Some are silver, some are black, some are uh, uh, some are uh, whitish and, and mixed colors, and some are, are just orange, you know. And those are the brahmacharis, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's quite clear, you know. And uh, yeah, it's, uh, and it's, it's funny. You have this, uh, but what a life, you know, they are sometimes, so people feed them and you can't help in Durban to think a little bit about the fish, you know what I mean? And you just think like, God, your whole life in a pond, your world is a pond or your world is an aquarium, right? Imagine your world is an aquarium, but that's your universe and that's your aquarium and that's it. You're in a glass box. I remember in days of yonder, in the 70s, that I sat in the garden of my parents between the hedges, and I had this distinct feeling that I was in an aquarium. Uh, it's sort of like suddenly, suddenly sitting there, and suddenly I thought, oh my God, I'm in an aquarium. And I want to get out. Yeah, so a life, an illusory life in such a in such a confined space as this material world is just a life in an aquarium. Right? Or to use another metaphor, it is a life in a movie. Yes, and there's a script, and there's nothing you can do about it. If it's the script, it's gonna happen. Right? And you may think, you know. It's, it's my life, and I do what I want. Turn down, turn down, turn down. Uh, that's from uh, Eric Burden and the Animals, uh, a song I used to like when I was a teenager. But I've uh, realized since long, Prakriti Kriyamanani Gunakarmani Sarvasa Hangravimudama Kartahamiti Manyate, that I'm not in control. And that actually I'm in a movie and that this movie has a script and uh, I can't change the script. It just does what it does. And I just got to live with it. So sometimes the script goes quite nicely and I kind of like the movie and sometimes the movie takes a turn and then really I don't like it anymore. And then I go, can't we change? Can't we change the channel? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, can't we just kind of go into another movie? But you know, not now. Not now. Now you just have to do it with this movie, and don't desire too much to go into another movie because then that's what may happen. Another life, and again, another movie, and another script. So one has to, uh, one has to let go. One has to just let go of this of this tendency to control everything and try and fix everything. Uh, 
if if you look between if you compare east to west then that is the uh, the first thing that stands out that in the west the west is expert at trying to adjust the external circumstances and the east is expert at tolerating them and somehow or other just going through uh, them without without too much adjustment uh, and the west is like you know amazing adjustments you know all kinds of things you know i mean clothes with like heated clothes with batteries inside right nice you know can just in the winter turn up the temperature and it's a it's a battery operated vest you know battery operated body warmer and you can just set it on different temperatures all these things are possible now right everything uh, and this adjusting is so much ingrained in the west so we always run around to adjust you know prepare prepare you know not only adjust uh, now but design everything in a way that it's already prepared yeah, in this way you know uh, it's like and so that when it comes that we can make the adjustments very quickly and easily yes in india then you see in india like i have an example that i was managing uh, the restaurant in vrindavan for a while and then, then there was one man is a, a simple man just uh, helping in the kitchen you know that you call that he was a helper you know that was his official title helper a kitchen helper so his job was you know just do all the little odd jobs cut some vegetables do some cleaning clean some pots uh, sweep the floor and a helper right in the kitchen so obviously a simple man and obviously not a very wealthy man you know to take such a humble job so uh, then uh, he would come in the winter and uh, it was cold in the morning and then he had only a shirt you know nothing nothing warm and then he'd come and he would just and it was really if endowment gets cold you know and uh, i mean it can be zero degrees and at night it can even be some frost you know minus one or something but you know zero is quite common in the winter so here he is and what he would do is he would when he would come he would take a piece of paper burn it and warm his hands above the paper so I'm watching this ritual in the morning. So I felt bad, you know, wearing my uh, expensive European pullover, you know, like, I mean, that was quite warm and nice. And, uh, and then, so I thought, okay, I should do something for him. So what I'll do is I'll buy a blanket for him, the type of blanket that people like him wear, you know what I mean, from... Uh, so that he want that he feel comfortable, you know, something suitable. Right? So I bought the blanket and gave him the blanket, and he's oh, thank you very much. Next morning he comes and does the ritual with the paper again. So I go, hey, what happened to the blanket? And he says, oh, such a costly blanket, such a costly blanket. I took it to the shop and got the money for it. <laughs> <laughs> What can you do, you know? I, could, I gave up, you know. I said, like, yeah, just, just, 
for him to tolerate is is less of a problem, you know, and uh, and that money could be used in a better way. Right? He could somehow he could tolerate it. It wasn't like beyond, uh, yeah, beyond what he could do. And and again, you know, who was this man? Right, this simple helper. Who was he really? What kind of yogi was he, you know, that he was able to do this, right? What austerities did he perform in the last life that he was just able to to deal with it, like with such cold, without any clothes, right? Then, of course, now that I'm starting the story, uh, this story was in the earlier days when I was in Vrindavan between 70 and eight, 70, 78 and 84. Then I went to Mayapur for, you know, a period, and then I came back in uh, in ninety five, in ninety, in nineteen ninety to Vrindavan, and I came back as the president. So one of the first things that was there was that they said that uh, they asked me, the GBC asked me, uh, they said there is one man, one Baba here in Vrindavan, and he takes he takes cows from the street and he has a sanctuary and he keeps many, many cows. So um, why don't you go there and ask him to take 30 of our bulls? You know, because he's got so many bulls, right? So, uh, okay, they asked me to go there and one uh, Bengali devotee, a proper disciple actually came with me and we went together to this, this Baba, and it was in uh, on the other side of the Yamuna somewhere in the village of Mat. And we went there, and when we came there, it was cold. So it was early in the morning, and the Baba is sitting there uh, naked, completely naked. He was a Nanga Baba, and he's naked. And he had, and it was cold, and he had a little covering like of of a tarpaulin, you know, like sort of uh, some bamboos keeping it up, and but very low, you could just sit under it, you know. And he had a fire, right? So he's sitting at the fire under this tarpaulin. So we uh, we we sit down also, and uh, the devotee who comes with me starts to cough, you know, because of all the smoke, right? Just like. <laughs> And the guy says, a bit smoky, isn't it? In good English. And sounds like a, a tough dude, you know? Like he talks like a real tough dude. Anyway, we were talking up and down a bit with him and uh, he was telling his story, you know, how he was taking cows off the train that were going for slaughter and he just goes with his trident and he just breaks the lock and just takes the cows off and no one's going to stop him because he's a holy man and he trident you know so he just takes the cows and uh, and then he feeds his cows by forcing the villagers and and if they don't bring anything for the cows then he beats someone up and they bring he's a real tough character so I, but I developed respect for him. I said, this man, single-handedly, 475 cows, and we, the whole International Society for Krishna Consciousness, you know, had at that time 300 cows, and we wanted to dump our cows on him, you know. So it didn't look very right, so I didn't want to ask him. 
But then the devotee who came with me, he just went like, whispered in his ear. Ah, Then he said, come, I'll show you my Goshala. So he's showing us his Goshala, showing everything. And here, this girl, that one, this one came from. And then he comes, and here we're going to build a beautiful, uh, a beautiful little Goshala. He said, you know, a special one, you know, with very nice troughs and said, it's going to be like very nice, this, that. He said, and then he, he says, and you're going to pay for it. And we're going to put your 30 bulls there, you know. <laughs> That's what he said. Anyway, uh, I said, okay, uh, we'll, we'll discuss it with the committee, you know. <laughs> and uh, we'll let you know. And uh, and then we were getting ready to go. And he said, no, no, please don't go. Don't go. It's so rare that some devotees come, right? You know, you know, who actually, let's speak about Krishna. Right? So he wanted some Krishna kata. I mean, amazing, amazing personality, really. From what I hear, he's still alive in the village of Mat. Yeah, you could go and take and and uh, and give him a donation for his cows. Right? He deserves such a man. Yeah. yeah, and it all started because he was traveling in Bombay, and he stayed one night in a Gandhi ashram. You know, some some one of those charitable places, and uh, and in the morning. The people said, so, how are you going to pay your debt? And he says, debt, debt, what you want from me? He said, I have no pockets. The only thing I have is this trident. You want that? And then they said, no, no. But it says in the Vedas that if you stay, if, if you take someone's salt, then you have a debt. He said, well, hmm, I did eat, I guess. I took your salt, it says in the Vedas. Okay, then what do you want? He said, we want that you go to Vrindavan and protect the cows. And just because he took some salt from someone, mm -hmm. he went to Vrindavan to protect the cows. Who was he? Who was he? You know, was he even from this planet? Is he, is he from another planet? Who is he? Who is this person? What kind of devotee is he? How dedicated is he to the cows? Huh? Such a glorious personality. So in this way, we are looking at all these amazing devotees, actually, and all the amazing things they do. And all we can say is, who is he? Who is she? Who are they? Who are all these people? Huh? Instead of like, Thinking, hmm, one day, yeah, I don't know, yes, um, no, actually, um, appreciate it. So, Udharadi, broader intelligence, you know, to see with broader intelligence, that is actually, uh, 
that is spiritual life. And um, yeah, you know, I don't usually wind up with uh, astrologers and so on. Uh, but uh, but somehow or other, one time, this great astrologer who in, in Bengal, Ashok Roy, you know, not some amateur, but a real Bengali professional astrologer, you know, I mean, they know stuff, right? For sure. So, he saw Jaidvait emerge, and he goes like, wow, I have never seen anyone as broad-minded, very broad-minded. Now, what is broad-minded, you know? Broad-minded is a broader intelligence, right? A broader intelligence, really, the intelligence of the Bhagavatam, and really, ultimately, the broadest is Krishna. Uh, we remember that uh, that Prabhupada spoke about the example of of his spiritual master, and that his spiritual master had uh, started various newspapers, like one was the Nadia Prakash, right? And you know, and writing newspapers about Krishna, and some people say, "Well, how can you write a newspaper about Krishna every day?" And that, uh, and he said, "Why not? You are writing a newspaper about some small town, you know, some little town, and I am writing a newspaper about the unlimited spiritual world." Right? So, in this way, Udharadi, the unlimited spiritual world, and to see that. Right, the unlimited spiritual world, the greater vision. So yes, uh, we have to constantly broaden our vision because the nature of taking birth in the material world is that we narrow down our vision. And when we take birth as a child, then Janmanam uh, Jayate Sudra, by birth everyone is a Sudra, by birth everyone is in the bodily concept of life. A child thinks I'm this body. Right? Completely. And it's like, it's, it takes, one must become twice born. Huh? Sanskarat bhavad dvija, by, by a sanskara we can become twice born and develop this idea that I'm eternal spiritual being, not just like by birth, forget it. Yeah, some Mahabhagavat, you know what I mean, is, is the exception. A Nietzsche Siddha devotee who descends a ray of Vishnu who descends into this world. That's another story. But us, the ordinary folks, right? Us ordinary folks, yes, what can we say? We, uh, we became very narrow-minded. So to broaden and broaden our, vicious, our vision, and that is the sadhu. The sadhu is very broad-minded, very broad-minded. And that was Prabhupada, right? and that's why Prabhupada wasn't shocked. Prabhupada wasn't shocked, you know. Prabhupada could talk about very intimate matters that that people would find shocking, you know. Sometimes he reverts to certain 
sinful activities related to genitals and then it was sort of like very direct you go like um, you know even where someone from Amsterdam like me would like sort of raise an eyebrow from what did you just say right and then uh, whereas you know I'm from Amsterdam heard it all you know what I mean but uh, uh, and India you know such things are not not discussed right you know in India you know no one ever goes to the toilet people take baths right <laughs> in India no one ever sleeps people take rest you know like this there's all, all this etiquette you know that covers up everything covers up the whole uh, all these sort of more ugly parts of life and then Prabhupada just comes out completely straight because he was broad-minded. Prabhupada was never shocked. Prabhupada was never in illusion about how fallen, how fallen anyone could be. And he was not shocked by it. He's just compassionately, compassionately ready to deal with it. Huh? Yes, Prabhupada was ready to accommodate everything. Um, and somehow or other make it possible. But sin no more. Right? Sin no more. Yes. So in this way, yes, we are looking at, at Krishna consciousness and uh, we are hoping that uh, this lecture gives us a meditation and such a meditation can last for a day even for a few days you know you can walk around and thinking yes i should see with a broader vision and then we forget it again but then we may be reminded again we hear it again udaradi and the remembrance comes back from yes and we start to see it becomes more normal that we start to see how there are other lives behind the Vaishnavas that we see. The depth of our appreciation for the Vaishnavas is increasing, increasing and increasing. Yeah, that is very good. Okay, now I have 10 minutes. Any questions? Either from those who are in the room or from those who are somewhere in cyberspace. Yeah, you can write your question or you can speak your question. Or if you don't have one, then what can I do? Then I will have to leave. Yeah. Yes, I see you all. And also so uh, very nice. So oh so I'm very happy that you could all present today. Uh, and uh, you are all the saintly persons, and behind you are all the great personalities. But don't become proud. 
um, because we can look at it in two ways. We can look at, oh, in our last life, we were something, you know? We were not just nothing. Or you can also look at it like, uh, I was a devotee in my last life, but I blew it. I didn't go back to Godhead, right? You know, someone can think, hey, I was a Gurukuli this life, you know? Devotee parents, I must have been a demigod. Oh yes, maybe at least, or maybe better, whatever you were, but remember one thing, you blew it, O Narada Muni. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, somehow or other, we came down and took another birth in this material world. So we're all fallen, and we are all mercy cases, uh, all needing the mercy. So let us always remember, uh, I'm a mercy case, and somehow or other, as a mercy case, I have a chance. And then, uh, and then we can become a chain in the disciplic succession. Yes, now we've got some questions. Guru Mohan. <clears throat> um, you're saying um, that we happen to attend a church and with different same persons who happen to um, Guru Dish. Deepika described as different identities, like we have their ones that are Hanuman, but also their Galad, and how to understand how does this work that one person was different persons in different. Do. Yeah, well, the understanding of in the Gorigana, there's Deepika, sometimes we get personalities who are dual personalities, like Haridas Thakur has been described as simultaneously Lord Brahma and also as uh, Prahlad Maharaj. So what to make of this? Um, we, are there two souls in, in one body? No, it's, it's like there is one soul and the other personality is sort of coming through that one personality. So there's a main personality who is that personality, and then the second personality is, is coming through that other person. Not that they are as two souls that are merged, because we are chitkana, and souls cannot merge. They are eternally separated part and parcel, says Bhagavad Gita. So we eternally separated part and parcels, the chitkana. So in this way, we understand there's a predominating personality who is actually the personality within that body. And then another personality is just communicating and manifesting through that person. And in this way, two modes, yes. Um, then we have this, um, also that you say Haridas Thakur was Prahlad Maharaj, but also Vasudev Datta. No, he's not Vasudev Datta. He was Brahma. He was Brahma. He was not Vasudev Datta. No. Vasudev Datta was also said to be Prahlad Maharaj, isn't he? Prahlad Maharaj, yes. 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 So, no. Because we understand that Haridas is Brahma. Uh -huh. And that Prahlad is manifesting also through him. And that Vasudev Dutta is Prahlad Maharaj. Yeah. Now your turn. Thank you, Maharaj, for the bless. You were always glor glorifying the Vaishnavas, you know. <laughs> you, like, you devotees like me. 
is this the way to to avoid offenses against the Vaishnavas, to glorify them and to see their positive qualities? Right, one second. Yeah. Oh, just give me one second. Someone sent a message. Oh, yes. Well, okay, one second. Okay. Yes. Uh, yes, five minutes. Okay. Um, I forgot to send him the link. He's in, he sits in for second initiation. Go again. Yes. yes uh, so you glorify in the Vaishnavas all the time. And uh, my question is if this is the way to avoid offenses, to glorify the Vaishnavas, to see their positive um, qualities. Okay. Now, your question is good, and the answer is yes. Um, but it's more than that also, because um, it's, it's like. The purpose is not to avoid the negative. Yeah. The purpose is to embrace the, the positive and to make something beautiful out of the positive. Right? It's like, you know, when you're making a beautiful design, uh, then I come in as, a, as an architect, you're making a beautiful building and, and really, you know, like not just an ordinary house. And I go, oh, is this to, uh, to sort of... Uh, <laughs> Like these ugly uh, modern buildings, you know, that they sometimes make. Say, so, yeah, it's also also that, but that's not the main thing. It's actually about making a very beautiful building. Yeah. Okay. Well, um... <laughs> Yes, it says here, like uh, someone commented, rather if you notice, commented, if you want to know the meaning of offenses aparada, then you have to know who rada is. Offenses is cheap word, according to Guru Maharaj. Well, no, not according to me, but uh, of course English is a poor language compared to, uh, compared to Sanskrit, because Sanskrit is the language of the spiritual world. And aparada yes, can be translated as that which puts us at a distance from Radharani. So which puts us at a distance from the spiritual world. Yes, so we should not make offenses, that's for sure. But our topic today is, is a happy topic. Our topic is not about avoiding offenses. Our topic is the glories of the Vaishnavas and the amazing glories of the Vaishnavas and exploring the glories of the Vaishnavas. Because the more we do so, the more we will want to take shelter of them. Yeah. So rather than just staying on the external level of like, let's avoid offenses, I'm more interested in, let's have real relationships with Vaishnavas, where we see them as reservoirs of, of mercy and reservoirs of 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 transcendental power and who can benedict us in so many ways. So yes, take shelter of the Vaishnavas. Uh, here's a Gormahan who has one minute left when, when, and, and then I'm going to throw him out.
of the room. Yes. Hare Krishna. Thank you very much. Um, I, as you mentioned, it's so beautiful to see the qualities of others and what I've seen it for myself and also for others, that uh, to see the good qualities in others is very much encouraging because sometimes we don't see them ourselves and we are drawn in by negativity and, uh, and thus we fall into some negative hole which is happening very often. And if you see the positive and glorify the devotees, it's good for us, but also good for the other person so that he can be encouraged and even develop in spiritual life qualities that he has not seen himself. Could you hear all that? Can someone confirm if that was Goman's comment? Could you hear that? Gosh, can someone just type yes or no? Yes. Okay. Yes, yes. Okay, very good. It's a good microphone then. Happy about that. Because <laughs> he sits two meters away, social distancing. Yeah. Someone could not hear it in India, of course, because they can never hear in India. Um, you need a booster on your thing. But very short, uh, Gomahan is saying in one sentence that sometimes we go in a negative state of mind and then we see everything negative and we can... Uh, uh, so it's very nice to uh, have a... Um, to, to focus on the positive. I mean, that's about what I, I remember. I mean, best I can do, I'm paraphrasing what he said. I have to go. Oh, dear devotees online, we'll see you when we see you. Um, and that would be, if you wish, this afternoon. It is at 4 o'clock Brussels time. And wherever you may be, if you're in the UK, it's 3 o'clock. If you're in South Africa, it's also 4 o'clock. If you're in India, it will be 7.30, and if you're in America, it will be 10 o'clock. If you will be in Australia, it will be midnight, and it's midnight party in Australia, uh, or wherever you may be, you are certainly welcome to join us again this afternoon, uh, 4 o'clock Brussels time. Not Brussels sprout, but Brussels time. And it will be on Zoom. And we're gonna send out some Zoom links. Yes. So if you don't have the link, then you can, uh, you can ask, you can send me a mail. You don't have to see the live thing recordings is good enough okay it's uh, it's nice thank you for visiting and see you later Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna.